and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I'm Brad Mason. I'm here again with this lady on my right, Natasha Mason. His wonderful wife. My wonderful wife. There she is. I'm glad she was able to fill in the blank space that I had left for that. We are back again for uh, continuing on in the study of the Acts of the Apostles in the book of Acts out of the New Testament in our Bibles. Um, This is chapter 18. We have accomplished uh, 17 chapters up to now. Um, if you'd like to, if you if you're in this and you don't know where we started, go back to chapter one and just start going up to eighteen, and you'll wind up right here where we're at. Um, we've been away for a little while on the study of the che- uh, book of Acts. We want to make sure that we're getting back to it. We want to actually finish out um, the study and uh, continue on in that. So we're going to pick up like we normally do. Natasha will read a verse or two. I'll stop her and then I'll, I'll throw in um, some historical information or an opinion or whatever's going on, and we'll just elaborate on the story of uh, Acts and what is going on with Paul. So let's start in verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. All right. So Corinth, just to give you a little back history here so you know what Corinth was. Corinth was the city capital of Achaia. Um, It was called anciently Ephyra and was seated on the Isthmus, which divides Peloponnesia from Attica. I know that in current terms, we're like, what does that even mean? I don't understand what you're talking about. But these are ancient terms of these cities. The city itself stood on a little island and it had two ports, um, Lechum on the west and Sincrea on the east. It was one of the most uh, populous and wealthy cities of Greece. Uh, so when you're thinking of Corinth, it was a little island, but it was a, a, one of the wealthiest cities of Greece. Um, lasciviousness, um, it was very... Um it was very well practiced and allowed. Um, they really consecrated their worship to the uh, the goddess Venus, um, which was a Roman goddess at the time, and that's who they worshipped in this city. Um, and no small part um, of the wealth and splendor of the city really rose from the offerings made by uh the passions that the people had they would give their money and their offerings to these temples of their false goddess um there's really no city uh, during the ancient time that was more um immoral i think than uh, corinth was and so it was a very uh, big area um it's been often compared to modern day paris if you think of that ostentatious very uh my nose in the air kind of thing and uh, so this is where paul winds up and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. So Claudius was uh, the, the ruler of Rome at the time. Um, there was an uprising of the Jews in Rome, and basically they were causing so many disturbances in Rome that they were uh, basically run out. And uh, at this point, uh, Priscilla and Aquila are coming out of Italy. They're coming uh, to Corinth from Rome, um, and they're believers, and um, they were just getting away with the rest of the Jews as they were ran out of Rome. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation, they were tent makers. So Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers. Um, in the actual Greek, it's a little uh, muddy on what the word their tent maker is and what it really implies. I think Martin Luther had said uh, that he believed uh, he believed Paul was a, um, what did I say yesterday? Tapestry maker. Tapestry maker. He thought Paul was a tapestry maker, which doesn't fit the narrative at all. You have to think of the time that this is being set. You're you're in the what we consider the old world, where people still dwelled in tents and things of that nature. And so Paul was able to support his ministry by being a tent maker, and uh, he was able to uh, lodge with Priscilla and Aquila because that was their trade. They were actually tent makers too. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit 
and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So Paul is in the synagogue. We, we, I love to point this out. We constantly go back to this, that Paul is preaching the gospel to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. So he goes into a town. He finds the local synagogue. He goes and he listens to the Torah portion that is read. And then he stands up and he speaks and he preaches the gospel of Mashiach. Um, in Hebrew, he's, he's speaking of Yeshua to uh, the Jews. He's letting them know that your Messiah has come in the form of Yeshua. He is uh, the Son of God. He is the Messiah we've been promised. And so um, Silas and Timothy, they show up. And I think it really spurred Paul. It encouraged him because he had these brothers there with him. Um, it's just like when we hang out with other believers and you get to talking about the word of the Lord. It really, uh, I think your spirit really is encouraged and motivated. And um, I know I get excited when I talk with God, I talk about God to other people who are Christians and they understand what I'm saying. And, and we really, you know, there's that one harmony there. So I think Paul's really feeding off this energy. Uh, these guys have showed up. And so he, he speaks um, boldly in the synagogue that Jesus, Yeshua, is the Messiah. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So Paul gets a little aggravated. He, uh, some, some had said maybe they hurt his feelings or they, uh, you know, they... Um, really damaged how he saw himself. But I think he really got aggravated with them because they were very um, staunch and hard-headed people. The Bible says that about the Jewish culture and the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They were very hard-headed. And the Lord said, you know, time and time again that their hearts were hard or they had scales over their eyes. And so Paul is standing here and he's expounding the gospel according to the Torah, which is the Old Testament. He's talking about the prophets. He's probably going into Isaiah 53 and he's probably going and he's, he's proving that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah to the Jews. And they, and they were obviously not wanting to hear it didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so he becomes angry. And so a lot of people point to this verse, excuse me, And they say, well, this must be the point where Paul gives up on the Jews and he decides, I'm only going to preach to the Gentiles because that's what he said. I'm only going to preach to the Gentiles. I'm done with you. He shakes his coat and he's, he's had enough. Um, let's continue on. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. So Justice uh, was a, a faithful man of God, and Justice's house was joined hard to the synagogue. And what that means is his house was attached like it shared a common wall. Um, so his house was like right there attached to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So you got to think, uh, this is pretty big, right? So chief, one of the chief rulers of the synagogue, um, he believes in him and his house, and many of the Corinthians decide that they want to listen to what Paul has to say, even though he might be upset, <clears throat> and he's only going to go to the Gentiles, we're going to believe because they, they accepted this. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. So the Lord's saying to Paul, you know, uh, you're not going to hold yourself back. You're not going to shut your mouth up. You're not going to uh, only go to the Gentiles. You don't hold yourself back from these people. You're going to speak in authority and power because I have other believers in this city, in this in this town, who are going to support you. Plus, I'm the Lord your God, and this is this is how I'm going to uh, I'm going to take care of you. Um, and so Paul, where he had recused himself from the Jews, is now going to do continue on preaching. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them, 
And when Gallio was the de- deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. All right, so <clears throat> they're bringing Paul in before Gallio. Uh, basically, after the Romans had conquered Greece, they reduced it into two provinces, uh, Macedonia and Achaia. Um, which were each governed by a proconsul. So Gallio was the brother of the celebrated philosopher Seneca, and uh, he was made proconsul of Achaia in 53 AD. Um, he had a proper name; uh, they all did in the Greek and, and the Roman Empire. But they're bringing him in basically to the the um, the proconsul, the overseer of the area over Corinth, and uh, they want to accuse Paul of breaking the law, and. Um, you know, it was the religious leaders doing this because that Paul had been preaching that uh, Jesus, Yeshua, was the Messiah. Um, now, the Romans, according to their law, allowed people who were not Roman to worship as they saw fit. They were allowed to worship the God that they saw fit or the deity they saw fit, um, as long as it didn't conflict with the Roman worship of their pagan gods, uh, such as Venus here in Corinth. Um, if Paul had been preaching against Venus or preaching, uh, you know, uh, any other gospel uh, against Rome, if he spoke against Rome, he would be violating their law. So what the Jews are trying to do here is bring Paul in and accuse him of violating the Roman law as well as their own personal law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason that I should bear with you. But that it if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. All right, so uh, really he, he said what I said. He, he doesn't want anything to do with it because this is more religious problems that the Jews are having with Paul. He's like, you know, if it's about names, if, if he's calling your Messiah, uh, Yeshua or Yahashua or Jesus, you know, if it's about names, that's your problem. If, it's, if it has to do with your Messiah, that's your problem. I don't want anything to do with that. He really uh, removed himself from the argument by saying, this has nothing to do with me. This is an internal problem your synagogue has. You have with this guy. Deal with it on your own. And so the scripture there says that he drove them out or he drove them out. And basically, uh, it's not a doesn't indicate a violent, like he's making them leave violently. He's just telling them, you have to go. I'm done with this. Go away. Then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of those things. Yeah, so uh, they they were upset that they didn't get what they wanted. They were upset that Gallio didn't approve or disapprove. He gave no judgment at all. And so this other chief ruler of the synagogue who had brought Paul here um, was beaten up. Now the scripture here indicates, it doesn't indicate a um, like a legal be- beating with a whip. Um, what it indicates is the the fist. They were they were punching him. They just beat him up. I guess they got so mad at him, they just beat him up. So, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in. Centria, for he had a vow. Right. So there was, there's still some debate here in the scripture as who, sh- who uh, cut their hair, who shorn their head or shaved their head. Um, a lot of people think it could be um, Paul or it could have been uh, Priscilla or Aquila or one of those two. 
Um, but there was a vow that was taken. So under Jewish law and Jewish customs, if you made a vow with God, there was a way they would always seal that or they would uh, they would enter into that vow or they would say this vow was accomplished, um, whether it was tearing your clothes or it was shaving your head or something like that. So a lot of Bible scholars tend to believe that Paul had made a vow at one point with God we don't know about and that he was um, indicating that his vow to the Lord had been completed. And when he came to Ephesus and left them there, But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. All right, so he's in Ephesus. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there, and he tells them, he goes to the synagogue, I think this is verse 19, and uh, where before we know, he he swore off, I'm not going to share the gospel with you anymore. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Here he is back in the synagogue again in Ephesus, and he's proclaiming the gospel. Um, Except this time, they're, they're wanting him to stay longer, but he can't, because he wants to go to the feast that is occurring in Jerusalem at this time of the year in the in the scriptures here we're looking at the fall of the year so he's trying to attend a feast that occurs and uh, this will be called Sukkot the feast of booths and this is just for us recently passed um, but in this, this portion of scripture this is where Paul wants to go up and celebrate it with the church the body of Christ um, that the first established in Jerusalem um, we talked about it before that the first congregation was not in Rome um, as those in Rome would have us believe, but it was actually established in Jerusalem, which is where Paul went to be with the brethren. And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went all over the country of Galatia and Pergia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. So Paul's gone back out of Jerusalem. He's going back through the countryside, through all the areas that he's preached the gospel before. He's going through and he's encouraging the brethren. He's listening to their stories of how the gospel is transforming lives, how people are accepting this Messiah, Yeshua, and, and they're coming to the knowledge of the Lord. And um, and he's really encouraging them and he's in strengthening them. Um, and then he comes and he meets the man from Alexand- Alexandria, um, so Apollos. Apollos, yes. Apollos is uh, from Alexandria, which is in Egypt. Um, it was a city that was established by Alexander the Great. Um, it was very well known. Um, Apollos is also mentioned in 1 Corinthians and in Titus. Uh, so we have very little about this man, but he is mentioned a few other times in the scripture. Um, but anyway, he came out of Alexandria, which was well known for uh, education. Uh, it was kind of like... Um, some areas were known for their art and some areas were known for their uh, philosophy. <clears throat> Alexandria was known for its education. And so Apollos uh, was one of those well-educated people. <clears throat> this man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded upon him the way of God more perfectly. So Apollos is in the synagogue and he is um, preaching and teaching um, what he has heard of John the baptizer. And so he doesn't have full knowledge of the gospel of the Messiah, but he is fervently preaching because he knows Torah and the law. He's learned 
um, the doctrine from the Old Testament, as we would call it, um, about a Messiah that is to come. And so he spent all these years. Now, this is, I believe Paul is here 25 years after Christ is crucified. So it really speaks a lot to how little information traveled in the ancient world. So he had been preaching and teaching and never heard of Messiah. So here he is, and he's in the synagogue, and he's preaching and teaching the gospel according to John, which is repent for the kingdom is at hand. And so Priscilla and Aquila are going to teach him more perfectly the full and complete plan of God. And when he was disposed to pass into Acacia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So uh, we've got this wonderful transformation, and I think it would it's, it's one of those situations where when you have knowledge of something, but you don't have a complete knowledge, um, you're very effective in what you do know. But once you have the complete knowledge of something, there's this whole different level of understanding, of ability, of being able to speak fully um, on something. And so... He had the basic understanding of Messiah coming. He knew what John the Baptist had been talking about. And now he has the full and complete knowledge of the gospel and how God worked it out through Yeshua. And so he he more fervently preaches. They write a letter to the brethren saying, please accept him. And not only do they accept him, but he goes among them and he preaches and teaches. And he convinces uh, people to accept Jesus. And that's one of the things I think we read that early back in this chapter, that there was some convincing going on. And uh, I think a lot of times we always say it is a work of the Holy Spirit that a salvation is complete. And that's absolutely true. Uh, we never want to take that away from, from God the Father. Um, but sometimes we can convince people um, that this is the truth. We show them through the Word of God that the stories, the idea, the um, full plan of the gospel is completed in Jesus. Um, and we can convince them to give it a thought or to give it a time and a moment. And then the Holy Spirit can use that that planting, that seed that was put there, and he can convict them to come to salvation. So we see that at the end of the scripture here that Apollos was very useful. Um, I think it was a great addition to that story of, of what was going on at the time. Um, and so that'll close out this chapter. Uh, that's the end of chapter 18. We'll get into chapter 19 next week. And uh, we hope you uh, hang around with us and continue to come back to us. If you have any questions about any of the study of the book of Acts, you want more information, again, this is strictly um, us going through it uh, historically, looking at it from that historical perspective, trying to add a little bit of um, understanding and interpretation from the scripture, but not getting really deep. This is just really a surface level look at the book of Acts. Um, and, you know, there's so many sermons that could be preached out of here. There's so much that could be taught out of here about the goodness of God and how uh, the gospel went into all the world. Um, but right now we want to get into the historical side of it so you can know what was going on so you could better explain it to someone else um, if you had to, if you had to sit down and talk about this, um, that you could tell people, you know, this is the history of, of the early believers and this is where we come from. So. We appreciate you listening. We hope you join us again next week for Acts chapter 19 um, and continue on in the Word of God. We ask that you like and share the podcast with anyone that you can, really uh, wanting to give Jesus and God the Father all the glory for everything that we do. Uh, we appreciate you, and we will catch you next time. Bye.
I want to thank everybody for listening. We appreciate you giving us your time and uh, sticking around. And we, uh, we ask that you uh, continue to spread the podcast. Pray for us. Pray that God will have his way in our lives and uh, pray that God continues to lead us in all that we do. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.